Windy Nation. Welcome, everyone, to episode 102 of the Winning Now Funny Sports Podcast, the number one celebrated podcast about well, sports, is entertainment, and there. everything in between. And as always, part of the Built and Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Woody Sports 716 on Twitter, Instagram, about everything Built and Buffalo. Content every single day. The number one source for doing on the internet, the interwebs, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's a takeover. We are your hosts. I am Matt Greco. He is Tony Ambrose. Tony, what is going on? We're hard in school. We played Denver, and we looked at Josh as a team in the season. You can score with Josh Allen passing. You can it's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on Built in Buffalo Carolina. Podcast Network. 2017, Jeff Reunion, baby. It's young. Matt, what's going on? Very nice. Again, you just keep raising the bar on these song parodies. Oh, wow. That's a <laughs> big statement. I did not think this was, I thought this was, you know, middle tier. So it's very, very nice of you to say. Oh, well, Hollow Notes delivers usually. It takes a heck of a lot of creativity to come up with that stuff. So, so I would always sing your praises, pun intended. <laughs> oh, I, don't, right. I don't even sing. <laughs> Boy, point, we got a you, lot. you did have that song that one time. Yeah, I did. And you you had, like, it, was like a, it was like a full song. Unbeknownst to me, you were prepared with like verses and multiple choruses and openings and closings. And I was like, what world have I, have I entered script. here? It was a bizarro episode. It was a bizarro episode. You were the host. I was we the should do a guy. bizarro episode. Yeah, we should. Yeah, you do the the script, the editing. <laughs> we'll do a definitely bizarro episode. Oh, That'd be great. It's a bizarro night after after the record, <laughs> okay. we go back to normal roles. Oh, quickly, you backpedal. <laughs> Tony, we got a lot of Bills stuff to get into. They just finish their second preseason game as the Broncos. There's a 53-man final cuts coming up shortly here next week. So we got a lot. I don't even think we have time to do an intro because not only do we have some Bills news to talk about, but after our Bills talk, the long-awaited two weeks of hype season one review of the new Nathan Fielder HBO show, The Rehearsal, we're going to get into it. We'll put it at the end of the episode for those who haven't watched the rehearsal or frankly don't care. But if you don't care about the rehearsal or haven't watched it, then you need to look in the mirror. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. It's a fantastic show. There's a lot of digging into because we have some different opinions to get into, but that'll be at the end. So we'll timestamp the episode so you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to, listeners, Winnie Nation. But Tony, I don't even think we have time for an intro. So, I mean, unless you have something to say, I think we have to throw it to Marv. Um, I'm good to throw it to Marv. Hey, let's throw it to Marv. Marv, take it away. We'll be back after the break. Go, go. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. The docile tones of Marv Levy lead us into week two of the preseason where the Bills defeated the backup Denver Broncos. 42-15. Tony, before we get into the ins and outs of the games are trending up, trending down this week, we have a lot of news to go through. Brandon Bean was a busy man this week. Let's start right at the top. As we like to do <laughs> typically, we start with the punter battle. It's a Matapalooza party of one now because Brandon Bean finally cut Matt Hawk 
Tony, the writing was on the wall from round five of the 2022 NFL draft, wasn't it? You can say all you want that it was a battle truly on talent between the two. And in many ways, you know, of strategy of do you want someone who's more accurate? Do you want to test out the holding situation? A lot of factors involved, but I think we all know and it's well established how this regime feels about their picks, especially as was articulated by Sean McDermott in his press conference to say that Ariza hasn't earned anything, but he's met expectations thus far. So there's no reason to ditch him. But, I, but you know, in the sense that they like their picks, they value their picks. They understand when they pick them, that it's an investment of time. It's an investment of potential in that sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of a rises to lose. Yeah, for sure. And if there was any doubt, if there was any, lingering battle going on throughout the summer it was all put to rest when during the first preseason game Matt Ariza boomed an 82 yard punt as we discussed last week I think even bigger than Matt Ariza winning the punter battle was the news this week that Josh Allen listens to our podcast Josh Allen dropped during (laughs) press conference after practice the hold god title that we originated, that we came up with. And he said he got it from Twitter. Where could he have got it from? Just putting the dots together. I'm connecting the dots, Tony. We have a new listener in one, Joshua Patrick Allen. That's big news. Matt, it's as I told you, in the moment that it happened, we've broken through. We're part we of popular culture now. The glass ceiling we has are, shattered. Yes, that's another. that's a great way of putting it. The glass ceiling is shattered. I do think it's a bit, mm, how would you put it, presumptive to think that Josh listens, to think that Josh Allen is listening to us right now. I don't know about that, but why, I do why like Why do that you think not? Because he said, Please, do it, do a I quick saw this Twitter, Twitter search. Okay, he saw this on Twitter. Let's national treasure this and, and figure out the mystery here. All right. Do a quick Twitter search for the, the phrase, whole God. And you will see no tweets other than ones from Witty Not Funny Sports at Witty Sports 716, shameless plug, before the aforementioned whole God title was mentioned by Josh Allen. The only way he could have got it from Twitter was from us because we were the only ones that posted it. Okay. So how does that mean he's listening to the podcast? I'm just assuming he does. He says maybe these guys. <laughs> All right, well, that's a fair uh, assumption. You know, I, I I like this Twitter feed. It's it's pretty witty. I I get a kick out of it. It's got pop culture references that I also appreciate. I'm just trying to the end the end game here is to be Josh Allen's best friend. And if we can get one step closer to that, Tony, we're on the right path here. And if it means he, listens, I would say he listens. 102 episodes with the one single goal of engaging in a social situation with Josh Allen. Yes. It only took Every, episodes. Well, yeah. I mean, this was a this is a huge step forward into the mission of the podcast. Because right. as I said, we, we have, we've broken through. Now, broken it's, through. in some ways, the most shocking thing to me is that I would say Hold God is not one of our top three nicknames of the show. No. So I think almost, He Wolf is a much better nickname. I think He Wolf is a much better nickname. I think He Wolf... I also have He Wolf in my mind as our best ever nickname. Right. So it's a little bit bittersweet that Hold God is what breaks through. 
and I have not heard him say he wolf yet, but I hope, no. but if I do, okay. And this is how we see if Josh Allen is listening. If your assumption is correct, message to Josh Allen in your next press conference, the next time in a press conference, when wide receiver Khalil Shakir is brought up, identify him as he wolf, a la Shakira, who is the she wolf, then we'll, Arf. then we'll know if you listen and That's right. scratch your nose as you do it <laughs> and wink at the camera. Yes, the subtle say, Josh Allen wink and a go Bills. Yeah, and say winning enough funny sports Sundays, Fridays, built in Fridays, built in Buffalo Network. Yes, we're gonna get all that out of him. <laughs> but even if our listeners think like, no way, Josh Allen's listening to this podcast and they think we're full of crap. I mean the the pieces do kind of line up, so it, it's it's possible. It's much more possible than it was a week ago. Let's just say that. It is. And on his burners, our podcast has made its way somehow through the Twitter algorithm to his burners. So that's Absolutely. that's good. And I feel like I got to give props to Jack Dorsey on this one. He's really making it possible. Unless he su- <laughs> seeked us out and followed us. I don't know. Mm, interesting. Maybe the pieces will come together. Wow. In the, in well, we'll see. We'll see in the press weeks. conference. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> We do need to get He Wolf started. I'm glad you brought that up because it does need to become a movement because it is our best yeah. nickname. I, w- I would say and it's it, our best it nickname. It's not only our best nickname due to... Um, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm such an idiot tonight. I don't even know what I'm thinking. Yeah, you sound like such a... Josh is listening. Will you get it together? <laughs> it not only is our best nickname because of the Shakira with Shakir, but like when he's on the field... He kind of like no embodies a he wolf. <laughs> like he makes a catch, yeah. and uh, this this past week he he made a a nice catch. He sat in the zone and then caught it and juked the guy out and got some yak afterwards. I'm just thinking to myself, that's not a good receiver. That's a he wolf out there. That's right. We've been so blessed in both preseason games to see this man move like he comes from Colombia. <laughs> Don't you worry. What's what everything's going to be all right. song? No. No something. No, not no watching. No. No, I don't know. No I don't speak Spanish. Or? Yeah, I know. Okay. Yes, He Wolf needs to be a movement. Before we move on from Josh, though, I want to bring up one thing because I've noticed it for two weeks now. And because we're, you know, he's listening, I, I want to bring it up and I want him to, to be cognizant of people noticing this. But two weeks of on-camera dipping action, Tony. Oh. I'm a little concerned. I don't remember this the past four years this is a year five thing Mm. big big wad of chaw in his mouth spitting into that gross bottle plastic bottle that it's been spit into 20 times over what am i what am i to think of this should i be worried yes i i'm worried i I have not even noticed this you but my thing is this i think it's been very distinct well he's been hanging out with jim kelly a lot Oh, they go to no. they have like these dinners sometimes. I mean, I think we see the influence here. You're going there? Yes, I'm going there. Uh yeah, I mean these are the facts. <laughs> Do you think it's inappropriate uh, to bring up someone's cancer diagnosis by talking about the no, cause of said it cancer? Actually happened, yeah. Yeah, I mean well. makes total sense. A true passing of the torch, not only on the football field, but also in the cheek cavities of our franchise quarterbacks of present and past 
I think it's been very noticeable. Like I surprised you didn't notice it. You're very keen to like those subtle things because Josh didn't play week one of the preseason, obviously. And quite frankly, it was weird how the telecast didn't show him till like the second quarter. But the first time they show him, it's clear there's a huge wad in his cheek there and he's spinning it in the bottle. And then right back to a week two. I think I worry about it so much is because we have this uh, picture perfect vision of Josh Allen, the man who can do no wrong on and off the football field. He is the best quarterback in the league. He is Mr. Buffalo. He has embraced and embodied the city every step of the way. So to see a a flaw like this, I'm just kind of like gut punched. It was almost like when he was running and fumbling all the time. I'm just like, don't run, Josh. Not because I don't want him to run and get yards, but I just don't want him to fumble. I don't want to see a flaw in him. I just want to keep him in this picture-perfect vision I have. That's my, that's my take on it. Yeah, but I can't help but think about the McDermott system. You know, I can't help but think about switching to organic ketchup, but we're allowing this. Right. I mean... Well, when, you, when you get paid $260 million, I guess... <laughs> Things are yeah, I, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like the certain, like he's he's earned some privilege here, but right. I don't like it. That even that's a slippery slope. Slippery slope. We'll have to, we'll have to keep an eye on that in the in the weeks. I don't. Up I don't like this, Josh. I don't, Josh. We don't like this. Josh, we want we don't like it, Josh. We know you're listening. And this isn't don't it. Like this it. is not it. This is not the path. You're a professional athlete. You're not Kyle Orton. This is no good. You're better than Orton. Yes, exactly. I act like it, Josh. Tony, an, another player was cut this week. The Bills had to get down to, I believe, 80 on the roster. The summer hype train has come to a full stop and departed and to never run again. Tavon Austin is no longer a Buffalo Bill. Man, what a what a fall from grace. If we were to rewind two months ago, there was so much Tavon Austin hype. It was sickening. We both were like, enough with this. All this talk about this guy has been in the I, league for 11, ye- 11 years who's going to supposedly be like an impact player. Not, no, never was the case. We saw we saw through that every step of the way. And Tavon Austin is no longer Bill. How do you uh, how do you feel? I mean, this is exactly the way that I think we kind of thought it was going to go down exactly. was yeah. Tavon Austin coming in as just a big name, but a camp body at the end of the day. And here we are. So. I feel indifferent because only for a brief blip of time that I think he could possibly have a role on this team, carve out a role on this team, but I knew it was going to be so tough for him. But really what it is is after so many other wide receivers started to emerge as having great camps, Tavon Austin was going to be easily forgotten. There's not going to be space for him amongst everybody else, especially like the only way that I thought he was going to have a role is if, it seemed like McKenzie was the only other competent kick returner, but that he would also be too valuable into the offense. But mm. it looks like they're going to have him return kicks. McKenzie? So, here, yeah, I mean, here we are. Were you, like, justified? Because throughout this whole podcast, well, all we've been, like, for the past year now, they're like, just put McKenzie back there. Like, so what? He had one bad game, and he fumbled and made some indecisions against the Colts when everyone had a bad game. Like, why punish him? He's your best kick returner. And literally the first kickoff, he takes like 40, 45 yards. And I was, I was just sitting there like, 
yeah, see, like we've been saying this for a year. Just put the guy back there. He's your most dynamic right. player. He's your best kick returner. He's the fastest guy in the field. I was just kind of laughing. I'm just like, yeah, there's not a lot of times we know what we're talking about on this podcast, Tony, but sometimes it pops up that we do. Sometimes we get was, it. I feel, I feel like a case. <laughs> I feel like this was a case of that. Yeah, I would say so. This is one of those beautiful cases. Beautiful cases where, where it seems like we get it. Know of course, about. we say we say that it'll probably get like his tears ACL on the next kickoff or something like that. Ah, we'll uh, don't say look that. At Tony, come on, uh, he's not going to play third game. I, oh, oh, I agree with that. I'm always in fear, though. I, I live in fear. Oh yeah, easily. That that's what you do now as a Phillies yes. fan. It's just like living in fear of everything. Like I don't even want Josh yes. to like get out of the shower wrong. Oh, me neither. That's the primary problem I have. Don't do anything. It's too distracting. Right, exactly. It's not the nicotine, it's the distraction. Yes, the nicotine is just patch that up. But it's the distraction. We want him focused all the time. Focus on not getting hurt, that is. I think like Tavon Austin, the, the writing was on the wall when it was evident that Shakir is the real deal. That's when I was kind of like, Okay, now we're done with the mm-hmm. Tavon Austin stuff. If Shakir was your typical fifth round pick, plays sparingly with the third team, maybe get some second team reps, looks okay, possibly a practice squad guy, maybe makes the team but is inactive, you know, as he's learning the game and getting up to speed. Mm-hmm. But no, he's looked fantastic from both outside and in the slot. And I think once we saw there was that secondary option to McKenzie, as you mentioned, in the slot. It was over for Tavon Austin. There was just no chance he was making the team. There's for enough. Sure. There's enough guys to kick return on the like McKenzie, yeah, Shakir. If if you're in a pinch, Cook. you can put Taiwan Jones back there. Cook. So, mm-hmm. and I think we saw the first game. It's like when Tavon Austin was unfortunately hurt, so he didn't get to show anything. But you saw a bevy of guys back there just returning kicks. So. Yeah, there was no room for Tavon Austin once Shakir emerged. Yeah. So, peace, Tavon Austin. <laughs> hype, peace. The hype is real for for a hot mug. Another flame out, Tony. Cody Ford. Cody Ford was traded this past week. Shockingly, there was a market for Cody Ford. That's point A. <laughs> point B, that market was in Arizona for a fifth round pick, which is also insane not only is there a market period but a market that values cody ford at a fifth round pick after watching him play the role of swiss cheese during the jaguars game last year the jaguars were 27th in the league in sack totals and cody ford just was the one of the worst offensive line performances i've seen since like a russell bodine experience brandon bean pulling some wizardry and getting a fifth round pick for him I mean, we'll always have the, the Raising Canes head, Cody Ford. We can fall on that. We can rest on those. But it just well, it wasn't happening on the field. And I guess if Aaron Cromer couldn't fix him, knowing how good the offensive line looked in this week two preseason game against the Broncos, because uh-huh. pretty much every guy on the offensive line looked great. And you could see that in the rushing numbers. I mean, Duke Johnson had two touchdowns. Zach Moss had two touchdowns. Every guy averaged like over 5.3 yards a carry. Everyone looked good. Singletary. So obviously what Cromer is doing is working. And that's no more evident than I think Bobby Hart's going to make this team. The guy who I kind of think so too. I do too. <laughs> As a guard, uh, the guy who was just the worst tackle possible last year, just <laughs> you feared for 
quarterback safety last year has become under Cromer a, a decent guard, I guess, enough to make this team and enough to find a new home for Cody Ford. Uh, top, top Cody Ford moments as a bill for you, Tony. What do you got? Ooh, the day he was drafted. That okay. was probably the high point. That's the end of it. <laughs> Blindside block in the Texans playoff game. Right. I'd, I'd say that's somehow being included in the Benny the Butcher Mafia video. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Which was uh-huh. very odd. I don't know how he made the cut. The big like 318 necklace he always rocked. Yeah. I'll never forget that. If you Google search Cody for necklace, I did this earlier. There's like an odd number of pictures of Miley Cyrus. So Wait, I don't uh, know what the connection on, there on is. On what? What do you mean? If you Google image search Cody Ford necklace. Oh, okay. There's like three random pictures of Miley Cyrus, not with Cody Ford or anything, but just Miley Cyrus. So I don't know how that search engine comes up with that, but maybe they're dating. Who knows? Good for you, Cody Ford. That would be uh, and insane. That would be insane is right. And of course, the Raising Canes hat during training camp this year. Uh, probably the coup de grace, uh, our favorite Cody Ford moments. That's how I think of it. And now, do you think, to give a little foreshadowing in this episode, do you think that was spurred by the rehearsal? Maybe. I'm going to choose to believe yes. You think Cody Ford's a big rehearsal fan? I think, I think he's a big rehearsal fan. I think that his friendship with Kyler Murray was reignited because they, they would talk and text about the rehearsal. And then that started the conversation in Arizona for him to go back and be reunited to protect him. Hmm, I like this thought. I like this Mm -hmm. train of thought here. Interesting. It's weird that like NFL teams think because these guys went to college together, they'll bring out the best in each other. That's got to be the reason Arizona traded for Cody Ford, right? Look, I don't have a problem with Tanner Gentry. Oh, no, I don't either. I think he's a great practice squad guy. Yeah, me too. And a hell of a nice guy. And a hell of a nice guy. As yeah. long as he's not encouraging this tobacco habit. Oh, that's another another good thought. We got to uh, get to the bottom of this is what I think it comes down to. I kind of am still like, did you really see this happen? Yes. Like with the bottle? I will send you the screenshots. Okay, please do. I want to <laughs> see them. I'm going to replay the game and I will bring the receipts. Trust me. So Cody Ford, no longer a bill as well. So is this Brandon Bean's biggest draft bust so far? Ooh, no, I don't think so. No, you don't. Wow. Second round pick. Mm, That's a good point. Second round pick. I believe they traded up for him too. I believe they did as well. You convinced me. Now I am thinking (laughs) it's his biggest. He's made so many good ones. I know. It's hard. It's hard. I got to think think this is his biggest bust. Yeah. When I hear biggest bust, obviously my mind goes to Nate Peterman. Oh, yeah. But he's like, yeah, but like a fifth round pick, like he's in the league. How many fifth round quarterbacks fizzle out and wind up, you know, in the USFL? Right. But Mm. but Nate Peterman wasn't like shot right into a starting role, obviously, like Cody Ford was. Right. So I think Cody Ford. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, too. I think Cody Ford might be the biggest bust of Brandon Bean, but good for Bean for recognizing it was time to move on. Well, you know? okay. Let me ask you if you he, think he this... must have cooked up a lot of eggs that morning and threw them on his face before making that trade. 
Wow. Well done. Beautifully, beautifully crafted. <laughs> Thank you. So let me ask you this. If you think that this counts into the weight of a bust. Well, and if you think Zay Jones should count under Brandon Bean, mm-hmm. even though he technically wasn't with the team, but like, you know, the rumors that he's like texting Sean McDermott, like, this is who I want you to draft because and I'll see you soon kind of thing. But right. I'm also thinking, okay, so does Zay Jones count as a bigger bust because we got something back for Cody Ford? Hmm. Zay Jones was just like kind of bounced around. No, I get it. The thing with Zay was, yeah, he had his issues, the drops, not catching the ball with his hands, catching with his body. But I never like had a huge issue with Zay Jones. I thought there was always something there. And other teams obviously have as well, Raiders, Jaguars now, to keep him in this league. The moment Cody Ford went in, I just didn't think he was good. (laughs) And it never got better. (laughs) I thought Zay was decent, at least. I never thought even Cody Ford even reached that, that level of decency, honestly. So I think Cody Ford is a bigger bust in that way. Did you ever at one point think Cody Ford was even good? Yes, early on. You did? But it was really? it was a bias of assumption. It was like confirmation bias because I assumed he would be good because we drafted him in the second round and we traded up for him. Mm-hmm. So I was I was just seeing it on my confirmation bias. Jake Fromm is not in this conversation because I I can't put a third string quarterback who will always be a third string quarterback in this conversation. Cody Ford, Matt Hawk, (laughs) Tavon Austin, hardly knew you. No, we didn't know you. We were on San Diego. Let's talk about a guy who has taken the relay baton from the Tavon Austin hype. Even though Tavon Austin was on the team. This guy's not even on the team, and I'm so sick of the talk around him, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. There was a, for a good two weeks, a battle of most annoying Bills talking points between Matt Areza's holdability versus should the Bills sign Odell Beckham Jr. I wanted to rip my ears off. It was awful. I don't want to hear anything about Odell Beckham Jr. The guy tore his ACL in what? The Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game? I know ACL injuries are varying degree of return these days, like Chris Godwin for... The Buccaneers is already back to full practice. I think he tore his two and a half weeks after Tredavious White did, whereas Tredavious White, in comparison, is just doing stuff on the side during practice. Nowhere near a return. So, yeah, there's a difference, but it's not a huge margin of difference. It's the difference between a year and nine, ten months. So Odell Beckham will be back on the field in December at the earliest. I don't want to hear any Odell Beckham talk in August. And I'm so sick of it. Who cares? Go sign him in December. Unless you're signing him now, he doesn't need to pass a physical to be signed. You can just stash him. But if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't care. We got really good players on this team, especially really good players in the wide receiver room. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about how Gabe Davis is primed to have a breakout year. Tony, are you as sick of the Odell Beckham Jr. chat as I am, or are you all for it? I'll be disappointed if it happens more than excited, I would say. There's something about, if it like if signing him happens, there's something about when do we cross the threshold into Yankee territory that we're just buying championships? I want to dance with the girl I brought to prom. I want 
to take this journey, this life-changing journey with the true blue bills, with the true staples of the generation. I don't need, and I don't think we need Odell Beckham to get there. I don't either. Yeah, so I'm like, if he's on our team, I'll root for him, but... Does it it bother you buying a championship? A little bit. It wouldn't if it was like if I have already had one, that would be yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind buying a championship. But for the existential nirvana that we are going for here in our lifetime, for this life changing experience that would be yielded by a championship, I don't want to buy it for this one. Oh, that's fair. That's a completely fair point. I guess I'm most bothered by it because of what I mentioned a minute ago. And that's the fact that Gabe Davis is primed to have his breakout season. At this point in their careers, Gabe Davis going into his third year, one of the lead breakout candidates within NFL circles. Um, sure. Who's to say like Gabe Davis right now isn't better than what Odell Beckham can be coming off an ACL injury? We're just dismissing the fact that Gabe Davis is potentially really good, that the last time we saw him on a football field, a meaning in a meaningful game, he set records against the Chiefs. Why are we talking about Odell Beckham when we could have a much better option in house right now? That's what bothers yes. me the most. It also makes me curious is like, okay, so if they do want to go in that direction, what do they think his role is? Because I think every role is filled, right? And filled more than adequately. So, like, is he just going to start splitting reps with Gabe Davis? Is he going to go into the number four position for some certain situations. I just can't get the same vision that a hypothetical branded bean move would have. So that kind of has me cooled off on it too. Yeah. Does Gabe Davis just revert back to being the best wide receiver four in the league? I, I don't know. Right. I don't want that to happen. I want him to, I want him to have 80 catches and 120 targets and over a thousand yards. I mean, that's what Odo Beckham was doing in Cleveland and, LA, I mean, he blew up in the playoffs and that's great. But again, who's to say Gabe Davis isn't a better option at this point? Does it bother you as well? Because it bothers me a little. And I want to get your thoughts. Does it bother you that Von Miller is so forward with his recruitment of Odell Beckham? Not maybe hyping the guys up that he is currently running with on the Bills? Mm, it doesn't bother me, but let me answer your question with a question. Would you rather have Joe Hayden or no one? At- I'd rather have no one, honestly. Oh, okay. Would you rather have Joe Hayden? Yeah. Get Joe Hayden on the team. What do I care? (laughs) If you ask me if I would rather have right now Joe Hayden or Odell Beckham just to have him under contract for when he does come back, like I would choose Joe Hayden, of course. Mm -hmm. I don't want want anything to do with Odell Beckham. (laughs) Yeah. And that might be a hot take because he is a good player and he could very well help this team. But I don't know. There's just a sense of, I think it goes back to what you mentioned of dancing with the girl you brought. Yeah. I, I want to see the team have the success we all think they can have this year and we expect them to have with the people who have been in the system, who have established this camaraderie within themselves and this brotherhood and this family aspect to have the weird uncle come to Thanksgiving dinner who you haven't seen in three years and be like, Hey everyone, I don't want that. And that's who you think Odell Beckham is. Odell Beckham is the weird uncle. Yes. Yes. Okay. Kind of. 
Ever since he's yeah. been with the Giants, he's kind of been an outcast in the league. Oh, I would agree. He's been an issue. People he's... go to Cleveland and become outcasts. That's what happens. Shocking. I know. There's something dirty about Cleveland. I love Cleveland. Maybe your most city. controversial I like statement. going. Yeah. I like going to Cleveland. I like hanging out in Cleveland. I love the butcher and the brewer. But there's something about if you spend a significant amount of time in Cleveland, like you become dirty. Yeah. Or you're dirty when you get or you're dirty when you get there and you fit in. Yes. Or that could very well be the case as well. Cleveland is really really showing its true colors this week with signage and t-shirts and <laughs> regarding oh, yeah, that guy. Deshaun Watson yeah. stuff. So yeah, I think that's a fair statement these days about Cleveland. <laughs> so Odo Beckham talk, I'm done with it. I don't want to, that's why we haven't talked about it up until this point. Every other show is yeah, talking about it for two weeks. On the show. Yeah, because I don't give two craps, honestly. Like, if we sign him, we sign him. If we don't, we don't. But Stop making it seem like it's a big deal because if he's not here, they're still a super good team and they might even be better because they might have a better option than Gabe Davis. That's all I'm saying. That's all I think we should consider. Tony, speaking of this roster, just quickly as final cuts loom here next week, let's just go through our 53-man roster. And this will probably be a quick little segment because I don't think we'll have much different opinions. There's really only five or less spots, I think, up for grabs right now. So why don't I just go down my list and you tell me when to stop in the fact that you have a difference of opinion with yours? Okay, let's go by position and we'll see how many of our positions match. Yeah, absolutely. We'll start with the offense. Okay. Yeah, I think so it's of course. fairly straightforward. We will go in traditional Madden order. Yes, of course. Yeah, This will be uh, traditional Madden order. Okay. Quarterback, Josh Allen, Case Keenum. Simple as that. Yes. I think it's been the way since the start of this whole thing as we signed Case yes. Keenum. Running back, Singletary, Cook, Moss, and Taiwan Jones. I'm in agreement. Okay. I think that's pretty straightforward, even though this sounds very negative and bad of me, but I would love to not see Taiwan Jones on his team. <laughs> Taiwan Jones oh on his team. Gosh, you are negative. For a team that preaches versatility, to then turn around and keep a guy who does one thing mediocre. I don't think he's that good of a special teams player. What oh, constitutes him being a good... respect special teams? Well, I don't, it's not that I don't respect it. It's a, it's an important part of the game. I just think anyone can kind of do it. If, if you're an athlete, just go out there and be a well, special Well, that's your player. lack of respect right there. Sure. I'm naive to the whole thing, but what does Taiwan Jones do so much better than what potentially other people could do? Is he blocking kicks? No. Is he like this awesome gunner? Not really. That's Saran Neal's job, I think. I don't know. He's going to have a spot because he hasn't, he hasn't played during this preseason. I don't think he's hurt. So so we're in agreement there, the four. Uh, fullback, Reggie Gilliam, of course. Of course. Athlete. Uh-huh. Yeah. FB1. Yep. Wide receiver. This Here we go. where we differ. One of the few positions that I think are not cut and dry. But, of course, we have Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Jameson Crowder, do you have making the team? I do. Okay. I do as well, obviously. Uh, Khalil Shakir, obviously, the He-Wolf. You can't yes. leave the He-Wolf off. And I have Isaiah Hodgins, and that is it. I took Kumaro off. Well, that's where we disagree. I am taking what maybe is like the safer route or maybe the less the less hot route, I guess, of saying, no, I think it's just going to be Kumaro. And you think I think Hodgins that... made the team too, and they keep seven? No. No, I don't. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, my rationale was it came 
came down between Taiwan Jones and Kumaro. If you're just going to purely pick special teams guys, that's the roster spot up for grabs, in my opinion. And the reason I put Hodgins on the team is because I don't think he clears waivers. Whereas opposed to Kumaro, who I think could clear waivers, honestly, like, is there a market out there for Jake Kumaro? And if there is, then is it that big of a loss? Hodgins is young. He shows a ton of potential in the receiving game. He really is your only backup to a true like outside receiver position. McKenzie's inside primarily. Crowder's inside primarily. Shakir can play both, but I think he operates better out of the slot. But then it's Hodgins or Kumro for that outside spot. And I would much rather have Hodgins in in this situation. Okay. So that's that's my rationale. I think this is a situation where I, I feel like I've noticed that the approach to building the 53-man roster is like in a world where injuries never happen. And we're just filling in every role as best we can with the scarcity that we can. Now, if Kumaro, to answer your question, is there a market for Jay Kumaro? I would say yes. And I would say the biggest buyer is in Wisconsin. We know that they're looking short on wide receiver potential. We know Aaron Rodgers loves Jay Kumaro. If he leaves here, he's going to Green Bay. The scene is set for him to return to Green Bay. But there's been an opportunity for him to go back there. I mean, he's been on the waiver wire before, and Green Bay hasn't picked him up. Doesn't that tell you that, something? That, that these are different circumstances now uh, in Green Bay. Yeah, well, they didn't have Devontae Adams. So, yeah, I, I understand that. But I'm just saying. I think the market's a lot bigger for a guy like Isaiah Hodgins. See, I even Kumaro. disagree with that. Really? Like, in the sense that, I mean, Isaiah Hodgins is good, but I think that good wide receivers are out there. I think they're a dime a dozen. Possibly. So I really, I, like I don't know. Max. Like I like Blackshear. He's been yeah. the talk of preseason. Oh, this I've week. Yeah. Monday morning meeting with Raheem Blackshear is a group intervention that includes Xavier Oman and Dwayne Wright and Joyke Bell and <laughs> Christian Wade mm-hmm. because he's getting a ton of hype and I like him a lot. Like I think he has NFL potential, but mm-hmm. like, our friend Sal Capaccio brought up a good point on Local talk this week of if the Bills were to cut a guy like Raheem Blackshear, like and another team picks him up, that team's picking him up on their active roster. Like they think he's good enough to make the 53. Mm-hmm. So are there a lot of teams out there that think Raheem Blackshear is better than what they have in house? And is it worth it to go through the growing pains to say what we built in the running back room in camp, we're gonna put that in the fire? And we're going to rebuild yeah. this thing because we need Raheem Blackshear to be a part of it. I kind of don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I do really like him, though. I think he's, if we can keep sure. him on the practice squad and next year, if you lose Singletary and Cook and Moss are your prime backs and maybe Blackshear is your third guy next year and then you lose Moss the following year and then it's just kind of like he just keeps moving up the chain, if you will. And then mm-hmm. it's Cook and Blackshear in two years. Sure. That'd be that. fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. So a little disagreeance there. I'm wide receiver. Tight end, maybe another instance of disagreement. Dawson Knox, of course. I have OJ Howard as the number two in making this team. And then I have Tommy Sweeney, and that's it. I don't have Quentin Morris. That's what I have. Okay. Before week two of the preseason, OJ Howard did not look great week one. Let's just say that. I was kind of wavering on OJ Howard, but I thought he was pretty strong week two much like a lot of bills were I mean, it's easy to look good when you're winning 42 15 or 16 whatever it was but i just thought he he brought something 
that I was looking for, and that's a red zone presence. He caught a nice touchdown late in the game. I thought his blocking was very good. You know, maybe the hype was or the bar was set high when we signed him of who OJ Howard was in a previous lifetime. Talking about college. Brathley coming out of college. Yeah, exactly. Uber athlete coming out of college. And maybe that's just not him now. Maybe he's like a step below that. And he's just a solid number two tight end. And I think I'm like coming to that realization. And I'm okay with that. Like if he's a solid number two tight end, that's fine. So Tommy Sweeney. That's what we need. Yeah, exactly. I think Sweeney makes a team. I think he's a he's a McDermott guy. McDermott loves him. He's a good glue guy. Josh loves him. So I think I think he it's the nod over Quentin Morris, who I think, again, another guy who shows a lot of talent, who a team very well may well pluck him from our roster and put him on the active. I could see a role. I could see him mm-hmm. having enough talent to be on an active NFL roster. But, you know, I'm willing to, to roll the dice on that. There, there's a lot of athletic tight ends out there. Look at look at a guy like one of our draft crushes, Isaiah Likely, tearing it up for the Ravens. Yeah. Like he's he really sure good this that. preseason. Yeah. So I think there's a there's a lot of Quentin Morris's out there. So not not a huge loss. Okay, so we're in agreement there with the three tight ends. Uh offensive line, Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown, Roger Saffold, Ryan Rick Bates, Quisenberry, Mitch Morris, Greg Mansk. And these are the two roll of the dice question marks because I feel like you can interchange any three between Tommy Doyle, Bobby Hart, and Greg Van Routen. And kind of, I wouldn't be surprised that any two of those three making the team, but I chose Tommy Doyle and Bobby Hart. That's what I, I chose to do. I don't, I don't have Van Routen making the team. Nor do I. And then, of course, Ike Bacher gets put on the pup list to start. Maybe Tommy Doyle as mm-hmm. well. Maybe um, Tommy Doyle, yeah. Yeah. So I think Bobby Hart's position roster status was solidified with the trade of Cody Ford, as we mentioned. So you didn't have any different in your offensive line there? No, I had the same. It's like you were in my brain. <laughs> so again, not a lot of spots up for grabs. There's not going to be a lot of difference, but wide receiver is a different opinion. And we've had that in podcast past where we've had discussions about our, our different opinions on wide receivers. But moving on to the defense, Tony. Again, pretty straightforward. I think defensive end. I have Rousseau, Miller, Epinesa, Boogie, and Shaq Lawson. Yes. Okay. Defensive tackle. I have the tried and true, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the fantastic four, Ed <laughs> Oliver, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, and Tim Settle. Yes. Inside linebacker. Could be interesting, I guess. This uh, would be interesting, yes. Where you stand with Andre Smith, but I yes. have Tremans, Matt Milano. Terrell Bernard, Bernard, Terrell Bernard, the Red Rocket, Tyler Matikiewicz, and Terrell Dotson. I do not have Andre Smith or Balen Specter on this. Team. Ooh, okay. See, I, I do kind of think that one of those two is going to make the team. That's fair. And maybe I now you have me second guessing. My my whole rationale is who can you sneak I, through waiver the waiver right? Waiver. I think you can sneak Specter through. Yeah, I've been thinking that I don't think Andre Smith is going to make the team at the linebacker spot. So maybe I do think Spectre is on his way to making this team. Maybe I do, but uh, I don't know. I'm even kind of second guessing it because maybe we have him on here just until Trey comes back. And then possibly. he's like that spot, you know? Okay. Yeah. This, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Un- unfinished with that one. Possibly. Like I kind of see. I thought was if I don't include Andre Smith, 
I really like Dotson. I've always liked Dotson. Always been a yeah. fan. Um, well, he got that extension too. Yeah, it was only a year though. Well, yeah, it wasn't like a. I think he's in the wasn't design. like a stamp of approval. But that's it in terms of depth. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not like the craziest. I think Matikiewicz is a fine special teams player. I don't think he's a great linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then I think Bernard's been. He's been a rookie this preseason. There's For been sure. some good things. There's there's been a lot to improve on. So if you don't have Andre Smith, who I I really like, I I think he's a pretty good linebacker as well. Obviously, he suspended the first six games. We have to make note of that and put an asterisk there. Right. I think this linebacker group is scary thin and not scary in a good way, scary in a scary way. Past Dodson in terms of depth. There's so much depth on this team across the board, and then you get to linebacker and you're like, ugh, not the greatest depth, especially with the injury history of the starting two. See, I don't know. I I view, because we only use two, and... Behind sure. them, we have Dodson, who I think is good. And we have yep. Bernard, who I think is potentially good, is serviceable at the moment. I'm not afraid of Bernard getting in the rotation, working his way more and more into the rotation. I, I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I think I like Bernard. Do we miss A.J. Klein? Probably. That was my I, question. I, Who's your A.J. Right. Klein? Well, yeah, probably. And I think Bernard is that A.J. Klein. But he's not A.J. Klein yet. But he could be. He could get Speaking there. like AJ Klein in terms of just maybe AJ Klein's not the greatest, but at least he's reliable. It's another right. veteran and not that any of these guys are veterans. Matikiewicz being the closest, having the most seniority, but I don't think Matikiewicz is as good as AJ Klein. And I think the closest you can probably get is Andre Smith. My hot take is if there is an injury situation where one of these rookies needs to play, I would much rather have Spectre in there at this point than Bernard. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I just heard you say that. <laughs> I know you have a beef with Spectre and you it will be an eternal beef because he's not named Jojo Doman. Well, that's, that's true. If I just had Jojo was on the team, it would be a like, different story. Of course it would. He'd be automatically the starter. <laughs> we should just cut from Maid Edmonds at that point if Jojo Doman's on the team. Right. I just haven't been impressed with Bernard. I think the qualities are good. I like his speed. I I like his kind of see ball, get ball attitude, but I, I think he's he's left a lot to to be desired. If he's in a real game situation, he's a liability. Where I think his Spectre, maybe not the athlete, but I think he's just more solid. Like he's not going to make as many mistakes potentially. When I say mistakes, you know, getting burnt on a crossing route mistake, game changing mistake. No, no, no. That's that's my hot take, I guess. Well, I think it's a pretty hot take because <laughs> I, I think, and as Sal reminded us, it's not about what we think; it's about what they think. And I think that they right. like a lot of what they've been seeing out of out of mm-hmm. Bernard. So, who did you have as linebackers? Edmonds, Milano, Dotson, Matikavich, and do you have both Bernard and Spector? I, I have Milano, Edmonds, Dotson, Bernard, Matikavich. Okay, so we had the same. Yeah. So. This is so. This is also what I think about your assessment on Bernard. This is a long conversation. (laughs) But this is the most important thing. This is the most important moment in the podcast. So I hope everyone's listening. If you're in your car listening right now, if you're in your car listening right now, you have to pull over. Pull over wherever you are. Too important. You need to focus. This is the moment. This this goes back to the same argument that we have constantly regarding Tremaine Edmonds. This is about the talent versus the role on the team. Where is Terrell Bernard listed on the depth chart? He's middle linebacker. He's behind Tremaine Edmonds. 
I would submit to you, to listeners, to Witty Nation itself, that you are that your opinion on Terrell Bernard is more influenced by the role he's playing, which he maybe he's doing better than you think he is, just because it is a role that does not lend itself to flashiness to measurable success outside of team Flash, success. Please. I would say Bernard has been highly intelligent. I would say he has learned fast. I would say he's picking up concepts well. I would say he's generally usually where he's supposed to be. He has a touchdown. Whoop-de-doo. Okay. <laughs> I think this is just a byproduct of his role in middle linebacker, a role where not much flash is asked of you. But I think he's, I think he's better than you give him credit for. Yeah, that, that's an interesting argument. Is not much flash asked of that position by the coaches, or are we just not getting flash from the players because they're incapable of it? This is what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying. I lean towards the latter. You lean towards the former, I'm assuming. I do indeed. Yeah. Corners, let's go. Agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, cornerbacks, Kyer Elam, Taron yes. Johnson, which, side note, I put it on Twitter, Taron Johnson wearing number seven is always going to look weird. Yep. Right? Yes. I hope he changes. He needs to go back to 24. Well, 24 is taken. He has, he has rights to that. I guess he could. I guess. Yeah. yeah. He's got seniority over a rookie. He can take a bag. I would rather him take three. Wouldn't it look more natural out there to see Elam be seven and Johnson be 24? No. Not only because we're used to Taron Johnson being 24, but I feel like Elam looks more like a single-digit guy than Taron Johnson does. I think any corner, I think, is unnatural to be a single-digit number. I could see a safety maybe taking a single-digit number. Safeties, a little off the beaten path, okay. But a corner, I'm not with it. All right, all right. If you say so. Dane Jackson, Saran Neal, Christian Benford. And here's where we might disagree. I have Cam Lewis making this team. I do too. I do too. Good. Because I think every time he's too. out there, he's just making plays and he's super solid. And I mean, I he's, think they have a lot he's been in the in system it. long enough. I think he deserves a spot. I don't think it's like yes. unwarranted for him to get a spot on this team. And then I have Nick McLeod making it. Oh. I don't. Yeah, that that's kind of like my, my reach. If I were like one surprise, it's going to be Nick McLeod. And that's only because I think he's a pretty good special teams player. And I think he gives you versatility in the secondary. He can play quarterback. He can play safety in a pinch if you need him to. Plus, I don't know if they want to get into another situation last year where, again, I'm basing this off of who's going to clear waiver wires. Last year, Nick McLeod did not clear waiver wires. So I don't know if they want to get into that situation again. They were fortunate sure, enough to get him I, back. That's a good point. That's a good point. So that's, that, that's why I'm including him here. Who did you have? The, the same, except for McLeod. And then safeties, wrapping up here, because special teams is written in pen, not erasable. Right. Safety, Poyer, Hyde, Jaquan Johnson, DeMar Hamlin. I think that's yep. pretty standard. I think it's been that way yeah. the whole time. I really like Josh Thomas. I hope he sticks around on the practice squad. I just think it's a numbers game for him at this point. And th- those four have been kind of set in stone for a while now. I agree. I Perfect. agree um, wholeheartedly. Real quick, one surprise cut and one surprise make if you were to choose. Maybe just going, even going off your list if you want to. Something you could see, a scenario you could see playing out. One surprise cut and one surprise make. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say for my surprise make, I'll be looking to 
Mike Love as my surprise mate. Good call. We're a Mike Love podcast. (laughs) We love love Mike Love. For my surprise cut, I'm going to say O.J. Howard. Yeah, I think that's fair. Which would then yield another surprise mate, I guess, in Quentin Morris, if you think of it that way. Because I don't think they can just carry two tight ends. Yeah. I agree. They're not, yeah. Right. I think those are very good. I don't even know who I'd have as like a surprise make. I guess Nick McLeod would be my surprise make. I think my surprise cut would be Tommy Doyle, just because he was implemented okay. into the offense, especially during running plays last year when they wanted to go heavy. I thought he was a big part mm-hmm. of that success. I, I haven't noticed him, and that's I, you don't really notice offensive linemen that much. But of course, he's been hurt. I could see a scenario where they try to sneak him on the practice squad. Wow. Okay. I don't think so. It's a reach, but if well, it that's happened, what we're doing I wouldn't here. be shocked. Right. I'll say Tommy Doyle is a surprise cut. Okay. Isn't it so wild that Stevenson is just basically oh player 90 of 90 in our minds at this point? Good. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's just so, what a fall from grace. I mean. Was it, was he ever in grace to fall from? Well, I mean, he was on the team. I mean. I know. I mean, he is on the team, you know. Were we ever, like, super pumped he was on the team? This wasn't, well, like, the we second, weren't. second coming of... Yeah, we weren't, because we don't think he's fast. Yeah. Which, you roll the tape back, he's not. He's faster than us, of course. We talk from our thrones here. Debatable. Like, were you saying Bolt? Debatable, yeah, maybe to you. You stretch well. I don't. <laughs> you have good stretching techniques. Stretch. You're always critical. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you have good stretching techniques, Tony. I don't. So, um, but again, Stevenson was like never the second coming of Devin Hester. And in the whole time he was in there, as we mentioned at the top of the show, like we were just hoping he'd put McKenzie back and kick off returns. So I forgot man for me. Tony, we have yet to talk about the second preseason game. There's so much going on with the Bills. Not much to talk about. They destroy the backup of the Broncos, as I mentioned, 42 to 15. You saw future Hall of Famers play for Denver, like Mark Rippon's cousin, nephew, I don't even know, Brett Rippon, Josh Johnson playing for his 28th team that he's played on in this league. It was kids' day. The Bills are going to show out, whether it's the stars or the backups. Let's talk about the stars, though. Good for McDermott for pulling them after one drive, and that's how we kind of thought it would play out, as we mentioned last week. McDermott mentioning the stars would play a healthy amount, in, in McDermott speak, that means if they look good, I'm pulling them. If they don't, I'm going to keep them out there until mm-hmm. they look good. And they look good the first drive. Josh was Josh doing Josh Allen things, especially on his touchdown to Gabe Davis, where he tried to scramble. And I think in his mind, he it clicked where the coaches told him, hey, don't scramble. So he improvised and found Gabe Davis in the end zone. But three for three, 45 yards and a touchdown. Offensive line looked great. The whole way through, starters and backups. Again, a solid showing from the likes of Khalil Shakir and Isaiah Hodgins. And just spreading love. I think everyone looked good. I think if there was one negative, it was the tackling of the first team defense, the starting defense. I didn't think it was great, but it's preseason. So I'm not too worried about it. But Also the safeties. Yeah. Hyde and Boyer were not in. Oh, yes. Plus the safeties. I was speaking more of like the linebackers, like Milano. Oh, oh that, that, I sec- that like second level. I, I didn't think anybody really tackled that well, but I, I really thought it was noticeable with Edmonds and Milano, which I don't really say that about Milano often because he's pretty sh- he's a pretty short tackler. Um, good. Tony, yeah. anything you overall thoughts of, of this game? Anything 
you mentioned, or you could just go right into, we'll just do one. Cause we, we've talked about the bills for long, just one trending up and trending down for week two of the preseason. Well, I did think that the offense, like I thought that this game had the most deliberate examples of the differences that we're going to see between, between Dorsey and Dable in terms of yeah. play calls in terms of, I mean, there was a heavy emphasis on yard after catch design plays there were plenty of running plays. I thought that after I saw that play be executed, I was like, Oh, well, Dable never would have done that. Like we, we haven't seen that in years, you know, um, especially like some draw plays on a shotgun. Right. So, and I liked, as I always do, I thought that a huge part of our success was the adjustments that Leslie Frazier was making mid game, especially with the D line. Jordan Phillips made plays. Shaq made plays. Yeah. Keenum looked much better in this circumstance. And as you said, the O line, I loved it. So, what I'll say for trending up and trending down, I'm going to say trending up is Kumaro in commercials. Trending down is Kumaro on the field. Kumaro, I don't know if you Kumaro saw. Kumaro in commercials? Is, yeah, have you seen the commercial that he's in with Isaiah McKenzie? No. Oh, it's... No. So let me set the scene for you. I don't think it's I'm a commercial. Like, I think you're talking Kumaro. about like what was on the Bills. They were doing like a BattleBots thing. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, it was him and McKenzie, and they had like um yes like gar- garden shears attached to Roombas. Roombas, yes. You don't think that's a commercial? I thought that I, I consider that a commercial for the league. Really, I don't. Oh, I think I you're thought wrong. It was like some fun the Bills media team was doing. Oh, I don't think the Bills media team did it. Mm. I'm looking it that up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that was fun though. The garden shears on the Roombas with the balloons, and then. Whatever hey, we've all uh, been there. balloons or poppers, we all been there. It just reminded me of BattleBots, and I love BattleBots. Oh wow, I hated BattleBots, but okay. Really? Why? How? I think I don't even okay, know you. I anymore. hated it. I think I hated it because it was on Comedy Central, and okay. I love Comedy Central, still do. But I'm like, this isn't comedy. Why is this on Comedy Central? So I was soured on it purely from that. That's the only reason. <laughs> Just um, on Comedy Central, did you like robots fighting? I was kind of mad on that. I think I was like more excited for the concept of it, and then when I saw what it was, I'm like, oh well, these robots aren't even like that good. This isn't like you know. <laughs> I'm like, like the Terminator oh, out like there. I, I don't know. You're right. Like I think the technology of the robot was just like, oh, this is it. All right. It's a spinning it's real little, fast. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Well, we're going to have to have a deep discussion on BattleBots one of these days. Speaking okay. of like nostalgic guilty pleasures, big news this week. Slam Ball is back. Now that is something I can get behind. Yeah, I can get behind some Slam Ball for sure. Slam Ball was fantastic. Why it went away, I'll never know. But no, good, good trending up, trending down. Uh, mine real quick. Trending up, beach chairs. Okay. Trending down, teeth teachers why do you what why are teachers trending down choose because your words carefully you season, son of a so bitch. i just figure every teacher is miserable <laughs> oh like our lives are trending down our quality yes. of life is trending down yes yeah okay that's fair yeah all right i <laughs> i suppose i understand okay so teachers quality of life okay all right because back to school every teacher's favorite time of year i'm sure um, and you're a teacher yourself, Tony. So I, I'm assuming you agree, right? Um, I would say that my quality of life is slightly lowering 
but almost neutralized by bill season heating up. That's right. Exactly. And then trending up, of course, beach chairs, because Aaron Cromer has this offensive line looking pretty darn good. We hmm. see the return of Saffold. We finally see a starting five. Just, just the same starting five that we wanted to see together and form that camaraderie throughout the preseason are finally out there protecting Josh, getting the communication, like all this good stuff. Like Saffold's in there. Uh, Quisenberry has been a heck of a signing, especially with Spencer Brown's injury issues, question mark. <laughs> we sure? We sure it's an injury? What, what else are you proposing? He's... Not physically up to snuff. Oh, not not injury okay. related. His conditioning conditioning is not there. Interesting. Well, I would hate to hear that because I want to believe in Spencer Brown. Oh sure, we don't want oh, his wow, okay. score to be lowered in any way. That record breaking yes, exactly. score. Exactly. Lowered exactly. <laughs> I so, hadn't yeah. even considered Aaron, that. Now I'm. Oh, now you're thinking. Yeah, now I am thinking. Glad I got you thinking. Aaron Cromer has as evident by. All running backs running all over the Broncos backups, just going down the list. Blackshear, 11 yards of carry. Duke Johnson, six yards of carry, two touchdowns. I mentioned this at the top, so I'll just rattle off the exact numbers now. Devin Singletary, almost 10 yards of carry. James Cook, almost 10 yards of carry. That can only be good, not only because the numbers are eye-popping, but the fact that what have we asked for these past two years from this offense an established run game to take the pressure off of Josh. And if Aaron Cromer can deliver that, that's going to be awesome. Like for this offense, we'll finally have a solid running game. I think it's, it helps that Devin Singletary, I think is solidified as your, your top running back. And there's not this Fred's turn, CJ's turn kind of back and forth. Although we could get into that if James Cook performs, like I said, which I think could happen. I think so too. Actually, I think like it, yeah, I think, like I think it's a, I think it's a slow burn though. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If he yeah. he start his carries start upping week after week and touches increase week after week until he finally okay, this is a true split scenario. And that's got to stink for Devin right. Singletary because I don't think he's done yeah. anything wrong <laughs> during his during his tenure with the Bills. So not a lot to knock during this game. Uh, the offense looked great. The defense I think performed pretty admirably. Sand some tackling, sand some penalties. But I thought the secondary looked good again without three of your starters in there. Hyde, Poyer, mm-hmm. and Tredavious White. So I thought it held up well. Jaquan Johnson, if Hyde, Poyer go down, like I've kind of had my eyes open to Jaquan Johnson this preseason. Me too. Than the past. Like I think he's he's really good. <laughs> At the very least, he's great depth. Yeah. Like he could my start on two thirds of the other NFL teams easily. I think so too. I think it's natural that we associate like, okay, it's Jaquan Johnson, and Demar Hamlin together, but like as though they're right. equals. And my eyes were open to what a wide gap I think there is between Hamlin, who I love. Hamlin is one of my like unsung, you know, favorite players. But like Jaquan Johnson's pretty good. Yeah, Hamlin is like there. a backup. Right, yeah. It's clear to see that and that's the difference between four years of NFL experience and two years. Right. DeMar Hamlin going into his second year here. So, But like both players, like you said. So, But yeah, not a lot to talk about with this game. That's why we kept it to the end and kept it brief. So, Tony, I think we talked about the, the Bills uh, enough. Are you ready to uh, to switch gears a little and talk some rehearsal? Okay. Let's do it. We, uh, we'll be back after the break and a word from our sponsor. That sound you hear? 
that's the sound of opening up a refreshing cold one on a hot summer day. And you know what's keeping my drink cold, listeners? A quality koozie from Traveling Growler. Follow them on Instagram and check out www.travelinggrowler.com for all their cool designs. Keep the chill in your fill and travel in style with Traveling Growler. Now back to the show. And we are back. Listeners, like I mentioned, we'll timestamp this in the description of the episode. So if you have not watched Nathan Fielder's HBO show, The Rehearsal, you can either stop listening or you can keep listening because that's what we're going to talk about for the next 15 or so minutes here uh, with our <laughs> review of season one. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend you do. You might not like the weird amalgamation of comedy series, documentary, reality show nature of this this program, but it is funny at times hysterical. It is it raises a sense of curiosity. Yeah, I was gonna say it raises a sense of curiosity when you watch it. Yes, uh, you question a lot. It's interesting. It's an interesting think tank of different types of human beings and how people act in certain situations. So, if you don't know what the rehearsal is, Tony, how would you describe it? Give us a synopsis of what the rehearsal is to you. Um, the rehearsal is the brainchild is the second brainchild i would say or maybe third right. of comedic genius former canadian business student uh nathan fielder who we know from nathan for know. you of course uh who we previously know before nathan for you from john benjamin has a van from mm-hmm. important things with dimitri martin and from this hour has 22 minutes on the cbc right. so nathan fielder takes on people, regular people, who have an upcoming, I guess, event, you would say, in their life, or who have something upcoming that they would like to utilize Nathan Fielder as a resource for, in the sense that they will rehearse whatever that event is. Could be a confession, could be a tough conversation, could be something larger, like deciding if you want to be a parent, could be any number of things, but you go through a rehearsal of this where the scenario plays out with actors in order to be more prepared for every sort of route that the event that you're rehearsing could take. Mm-hmm. And thereby right. you will be prepared for every route that it could take. You will be more comfortable and you will um, have better, a higher likelihood of success. Absolutely. Um Again, it is a weird, uh, very much hysterical insight into like the human psyche. <laughs> and from the start, from the jump, from episode one, where where we meet a Brooklyn teacher and a bar trivia obsessive named Core Skeet, who has a burden on him that he's been carrying with him for years on end about how he lied about his edu- level of education to his trivia teammates. But even when Nathan just introduces himself to core in episode one, it sets the stage for what this show is going to be about because Nathan has gone through meeting core multiple times over and over again, different scenarios, different trials of how just him meeting this person is going to play out. And then Nathan is going to, forward that you know pass that rehearsal knowledge on to core in his scenario and we meet these cast of characters throughout the season and that's why at times it can be 
uncomfortable because all throughout you meeting these strange yet interesting people, whether it's core in episode one or Angela and Robin in episode two, Angela, who is a wannabe mother whose rehearsal is raising a child. She's dating as well. And she she's uber Christian and uber religious where everything is satanic. And it's very funny. But meeting Angela and Robin, who drove his or crashed his scion at 140 miles. That was your funniest moment, wasn't it? Crashed his scion at 100 miles an hour? Yes. Ooh, I don't know if that was my funniest moment of the whole series, but I think that's the most quintessential, like, classic line that we will always remember. Like, that was the, I think that's, like, the iconic thing that we would say about season one is crash is crash a scion TC at 100 miles an hour. That's what you put on the t-shirt. Right. So you meet those two people in episode two. In the third episode, you meet uh, Patrick, who has unresolved issues with his brother, who happens to be the executor of his late grandfather's will, to Thomas in episode four, who Nathan ends up emulating his life. Yeah. Rehearsing as Thomas and being Thomas. Through the six episodes, six hour long episodes, it is... I, I almost think it's like, is it the Truman Show come to life? It kind of feels that way. But all I know is like these cast of characters are like the worst people you'd find on Craigslist. Like never, never meet well, someone off of Craigslist ad because these are the people you're going to get. Yes. Well, no one is more of a Craigslist person than the guy. I don't remember his name, but the guy in the second episode who was controlling the baby crying. Like from the production room. Yeah. And he like sleeps during the day. Yes. That guy is a Craigslist guy. That guy's name might as well be Craig Slist because (laughs) he is a Craigslist guy. That's exactly who you think you find on Craigslist. But everybody is someone he finds on Craigslist. Now, I also think that you might be deceiving our listeners here just a smidge because you're setting it. You're setting it up like each episode is a bottleneck and it surrounds these people that he finds and like, like he as though each episode is a rehearsal and that is not how it is. is. It's not. No, I think that there, there is, that is part of um, a core of the each episode. And then there's this overarching storyline of the, the lady from episode two, Angela, who wants to be a mother and then not being able to find a, companion to raise this fake child <laughs> who is a real child actor and that storyline plays out see it's it's tough to describe well, like, who's really two 12 spoilery. child actors yes it was many child i actors. think we can spoil but, this is a review yeah i guess so we can spoil um yeah but then then it slowly divulges like gets into like nathan becoming or taking on the role of that father figure and then right that's where we disagree in terms of like you loved how that played out throughout six episodes where I wasn't crazy about it. Um, Nathan See, being this is a father and how by episode six, the naive nature of a child being exposed kind of didn't sit well with me because the kid the kid ends up thinking Nathan is actually his father. He doesn't have a father in real life. And he's grown so attached to Nathan that he calls him dad, not Nathan, even though Nathan tries to 
break the structure of the rehearsal episodes or the the show and go off script and say, no, I'm not your father. I'm Nathan. You need to call me Nathan. But this kid is obviously so attached and connected to Nathan that it becomes uncomfortable and he can't disengage from the fake scenario that has been playing out throughout the season. Look, Matt, Remy saved Nathan's life as Dr. Farts. Nathan was in a serious medical condition. That's right. And he had to eat Remy's farts to save his own life. And he did. That is a bond. That is true. That cannot be shattered simply by Nathan, you know, saying, uh, just a reminder, you're an actor. You're one of 15 uh, versions of Adam, even though you're really Remy. And also you're six years old and we cannot get this confused. Now, did I, you said that I loved it. Did I love it? I don't know. I liked it a lot. I appreciated it for what it is. It's kind of how I think, I think of yeah, it. That's because a good way to put it, yeah. The, the first episode, you walk away from the first episode thinking, okay, this is like Nathan for you. Like in the sense that like he's going to, everything's a rehearsal. He's going to help someone every week and that's how it'll go. Then as the series evolves, it ends up being more like another Nathan Fielder show how to with John Wilson, where it becomes the scenarios and the people will guide the show where it is. And really what it becomes, I would argue, is art. It becomes an yes. artistic thing to appreciate. It is this view, it becomes more documentary than reality show, I would say. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that episode one and Nathan for you were like reality show ish. And then it becomes documentary about Nathan's journey through his own rehearsal that he co-opted to be with Angela to experience. It becomes his journey of really ultimately what is the purpose of Angela's rehearsal of trying out parenthood, seeing if it's a fit and something that she wants to do. And Nathan also going through that. Nathan, not, not a parent at this point but plays the role of a parent and then culminating at the end where he essentially succumbs to the relationship of a father and son. So really well, mother I and son. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. Mother, <laughs> and son. but no, cause in Nathan, cause he said daddy, like in Nathan's mind, it's that. So really it was a successful rehearsal because he got out of it. What the intention of the rehearsal was. But it was not as cut and dry as the other rehearsals. It was not as scientific as the other rehearsals, where I think we appreciated the other rehearsals because they were pure logistics and yes. just over the top planning logistics. And like that was what made it interesting Nonsense, and funny. Yeah. It, then it evolved into a very emotionally driven rehearsal, which I also appreciated for what it was. And <laughs> always never without its moments of hilarious as they say peak comedy even up right. from the first episode from crashing your science you see at 100 miles an hour to the last episode of seeing an adult adam smoking in the yard and seeing nathan <laughs> having to explain to a six-year-old child how the child is going to heaven and nathan is going to hell because of their respective <laughs> religions every right. episode had unbelievable moments that and if you like cringe comedy you're gonna yes. you're gonna lose your absolutely and if you want to look at it from a pure comedy show standpoint it's hilarious like every episode yes. is hilarious whether 
it's a satirical comedy, if it's uh, a dark comedy, if it's just an awkward comedy, like every episode has a high point from a comedic value standpoint. No, I, I totally agree. Like if if anything, even if you don't find or even if the type of comedy is not in line with what you find funny, I think you can in watching this show appreciate the creativity the meta-ness of it because i did think it divulged mm-hmm. into like yes it started out as nathan very nathan for us where he's helping others and then it's slowly unwound to this is a show about nathan helping himself yes it becomes that yes so like i did appreciate that track if you will throughout the the six episode season so it's incredible. I know this is kind of two different avenues, but HBO also had a show, not a documentary. It was a scripted show called The White Lotus. It was about guests at a hotel. Nothing really happened. It was just about these people and their lives and how they acted at a hotel. And yes, it was scripted. But every time I watched, every week I watched it, I was like, this is either the worst television show or the greatest character study ever on television. And that's how I feel like people could be watching the rehearsal. They could be like, man, this is a terrible show. It's not funny. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Or they or they could be like us and be like, this is genius. This is a masterpiece mm-hmm. of television. I don't know if there's a middle ground. That's what I struggle with. I, I would even go one step further and say, I, I think it'd be tough to say this is terrible because I think that like a lot of art there's something for everyone's brain to kind of be stimulated by i mean i would say like i can't imagine thinking about this show and being in a situation where like well this isn't what i thought or this isn't what i'm into even if i was like that i feel like i still would never go to my phone i would always not be able to stop watching now would it be because i think it's hilarious i was glued I was glued yes, it, to the it, TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would it, it might be because I think it's hilarious. It might be because I think it's cringy. It might be because I think it's interesting. It might be because I, you know, can't explain what I'm watching because it's like nothing I've ever seen before. But I think that everyone's brain would find something that it would grow for in, right. in this show. And like I heard a lot of people, you know, complaining not complaining, but I think a lot of people maybe were disappointed, especially after the first episode when they're like, oh, this is not like Nathan for you. Like the first episode right. was like Nathan for you. And then it wasn't like Nathan for you. Me, yeah. yeah, maybe it was like Finding Francis, but like that's it. So like some people might have been disappointed by that. But still, you still have to like just get past that quote unquote disappointment that you think you're having and take it for what it is. And you you'd probably end up really at least being intrigued by it, loving it, being interested in it, being interested in just yeah. the people watching of these humans that we are right. that we have found. And then what I'm appreciating, Matt, is the social media unraveling of the people that are on this show. I love when they find like a TikTok of Angela dancing. Find, <laughs> yes, like an Angela, like an Angela TikTok when they find Robin's Instagram and he's crashed right. multiple scientists. 
when they find <laughs> Ro- when they find the Twitter of Robin's brother, and he's like, a lot of people are asking me, yes, this is what I've been trying to tell you. My brother's fucking crazy. It's, it, this is this is what I've been trying to say. It's almost like and, when and we were then, watching like, Lost, and after the episode, we'd go and be like, "What does this mean? What does that mean?" The, the, yes. This whole like outside the show mystery we need to solve. Yes, in some ways it is, and that I'm also loving it. It's and you know, as many of my friends have said it in the past, like it. There's something about the show that just occupies your brain. Like I turned my one friend onto it, and he texted me, and he said, "I'm watching it," and he had all these thoughts after the first episode. And then three days later, he still hadn't watched the second episode. He's just like, I cannot get the rehearsal out of my head. Like my brain is still sore from it. My brain is still expanded from it. I'm just reflecting on it all the time. Like it is owning me. And I'm seeing a lot on social media of people who are having that same reaction. Absolutely. I think that's very well said. Uh, Tony, real quick, what, what was your favorite moment of the first season here? Oh my gosh. I'll do mine while you think about it because I have mine like okay. triggered up and ready to go because it's it's my favorite moment of like, television in recent memory. Of course, we see Adam as the, the, the child that Nathan and Angela are, are parenting uh, grow up at a at an accelerated rate. He's three years old and then he's six years old and then he's 12 years old, whatever. When, when Nathan comes home after episode four from California, uh, Adam's like 15, 16, and they finally go off script. Oh, yeah. uh, and Nathan like is like, okay, how would you act if your father was gone for a while and came and blah, blah. Uh, at one point, 15-year-old Adam, as he's at the dinner table with Angela and Nathan, utters the quote, you're an effing disaster, my guy, to Nathan. <laughs> and I thought that line was, was the bee's knees. I just was cracking up over that line. So that's my favorite moment. Great, great favorite moment. That was... That was the line of the episode. I kind of think my favorite moment was, I think that my favorite moment was the fight between Robin and his roommate when Robin's like on his way out and then it just shows Nathan standing there and they're like in a roommate fight that has nothing to do with anything, but it just like quickly devolved. Now I have later found out, like I said from Twitter, that roommate has since passed away. Let that sink in for a bit. Yeah, let that sink in. But I, I really... I don't know. Like that was the, I like the Robin stuff. I like the Robin stuff, yeah, but I also, do. but I also really liked at the aforementioned when Nathan, uh, when Nathan had to explain to the child actor that he's going to heaven because he's Christian and then Nathan's going to hell because he's Jewish. I thought that yes. was like a perfect, awkward Nathan Fielder conversation that was then exacerbated of perfection because he was talking to a child to the moms to like the mom's approval right here oh so many good moments uh lesson learned here uh if you haven't watched the rehearsal go watch it uh we could talk forever but we didn't been a long episode so um it's, yeah. it's again it's height of comedy height of character study go watch it if you haven't uh tony let's wrap up though here real quick uh thank you of course to our sponsors always traveling growler www.travelinggrowler.com koozie starting at just five dollars support local shop local check out traveling growler t-shirt store teespring.com search waiting not funny all one word support the podcast t-shirts starting at just five dollars hoodies tanks whatever long sleeves crew necks like we got a bunch of designs cool designs get your gear for the start of bill season teespring.com also Built in Buffalo Fan Shop, BIBFanshop.com. You can find some of our designs. Uh, where to find the podcast? iTunes, Spotify, search Built in Buffalo, search Witty Not Funny. If you like us, 
leave us a review wherever you find podcasts or listen to for free you can find us uh if you we always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time we greatly appreciate it uh built in buffalo podcast network of course uh twitter handles tony is just say it at tony ambrose super simple that's it Straight to the point you can find the podcast at woody sports seven one six give us a follow we love following back connecting with the buffalo sports community out there uh tony send off for the listeners what do you got Ooh. Watch the rehearsal real quick yeah watch the watch the rehearsal tonight and yes, all six episodes. to everyone who's to everyone who's you know my send-off really is to make the most of the rest of summer like do don't think of summer as winding down just see it as you got a lot you can pack in so much still. Nice. Perfect. And as I always say, go Bill. Stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye. Later. Marshawn is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. <laughs> Swollen, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank it's, you for that. Stitching you that, guys. Thank you. Well, I- hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a it's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.